0: How many of you guys like uh, Daylight Savings? How many of you are a normal human? Right? Yes, we are great. What an interesting and uh, somewhat actually, I, I could try to play it cool like I planned it, but this was somewhat unplanned, uh, that we would talk today about time and relationships on a day where time is something that is really apparent to us. This morning, uh, I was a little bit bummed. Uh, in our house, most of the clocks and things like that uh, that tell time in our house uh, are digital, and they just automatically do the switch over. Uh, but I, I have two boys, uh, Gideon and Silas. Gideon is seven, Silas is four, and uh, they're home today because sickness is a lovely thing, right? Um, and, and that sort of sharing is not caring. Uh, But the one thing that we forgot to switch over is they have something called a ready-to-awake alarm clock. If anyone knows what that is, essentially what it is is it is red when you are supposed to still be asleep, and it becomes green when it means you can finally get up. Well, guess what? Guess what, parents? were wonderfully smart humans who definitely didn't uh, set their alarm back. Us, yay. So pray for my wife. She's at home with uh, kids this morning, and uh, she is probably uh, patiently waiting for time to go faster right now. Time is an interesting thing, right? We, in some ways, have moments where we wish it would uh, go faster. There are times when we are waiting, when we are late, maybe when we're at work, we're like, can this go any faster? And there are also moments where it feels like, where did the time go? You know, I heard the adage about uh, raising kids that the Days are long, but the years are short. And I have found that um, really to be true. But time is such an interesting thing because uh, we don't necessarily know how much we have. We know each day there is 1,440 minutes that we have. Every single day, that's how many minutes there are in a day for us to do all of the things that we have to do. There's uh, 8,760 hours in each year how many hours each of us have in a year. The average U.S. life expectancy is 79.11 years. Some of you in here are like, yeah, beat it, baby, let's go. (laughs) But also, if we look at some interesting statistics, on average in the U.S., 7,974 people die each day. Time is this thing that is not guaranteed. Every single one of us, have to be good stewards, good managers of our time, because every minute matters, and every day is a gift. One of, one of the interesting parts of my job is sometimes being there at the end of people's lives and sitting with families after they have lost a loved one. And it's interesting, right? Because if, if, if when people are reflecting, they're oftentimes reflecting on this reality that like, oh, I thought I might have more time. I thought I could have done this or invested in this. I've never sat with someone at the end of their life who says, I wish I would have scrolled on Facebook more. Never met anyone who's like, man, I really should have picked up more of that overtime to miss my kid's sporting event. No one has ever said, I'm really glad uh, that I watched so much football. I'm really glad that I was hanging out on Amazon buying stuff all day. No one says that. They always go back to, man, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have been a better friend. I wish I would have spent more time uh, with the Lord. I wish I would have served more, given more, all of these sort of things. This morning, I want to talk about um, time and relationships. If you haven't been here with us the last few weeks, we're in a series called Ordering the Chaos. And I don't know about you, but sometimes life feels incredibly chaotic, and I just don't always feel like I can get this blessed life because I feel like I'm just living the stressed life. And this series is sort of birthed out of this um, thing that the Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth when he said, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And we've been talking about this idea of peace being this Hebrew word for shalom, which means wholeness and harmony and unity. And that there's this reality that so much of the way of the world is pushing us to feel stressed and chaotic in everywhere we're going. And so it's no wonder that most of us, if we were to ask how we feel like life is going, we might feel like we're surviving. Probably very few of us would feel like we are thriving. And so much of it comes from this reality that our lives are disordered. We've been talking about this idea that a disordered life will lead to death, body and soul. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about time, what the Bible has to say about time, what it looks like to make sure that we are investing in the right relationships uh, the most. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that we could do to make sure that maybe um, we are living the life that Jesus came to give us. Now, I'll say this at the forefront, and I, I believe this is true. Show me your calendar, and I will show you your heart. Show me your calendar, and I understand a lot of us, we don't have enough time to actually put things in the calendar. I, I'm guilty of that. I, had something, I have something this Friday, and my wife's like, is it in the calendar? I'm like, sorry, I didn't have enough time to put it in there, which is really silly, I know. But show me your calendar. Show me the things that you are doing in your life daily, and I can probably get a pretty good picture of what your priorities in life are. Because the reality is, every single one of us have the same amount of seconds, minutes, hours in each day. The big question for each and every one of us, of course we have differing responsibilities, but every single one of us, the question is not um, uh, what, not having enough time, it's usually how are we using our time? If everyone gets the same amount of time, it's not that some people, our are, are, uh, life is going better because uh, they have less responsibility, it's because they have chosen to engage and take uh, back kind of the realities of their schedule and their time. Now, uh, the Bible says a lot about time. For example, in Ecclesiastes, we're reminded that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And it goes on to talk about how there's a time um, to to sow and a time to reap, a time to live, a time to die, all of these sort of things. And and the truth is, every single one of us have different seasons in our lives. There are different times. There are moments where you think... uh, I naively will say I'm, I've kind of transitioned out of the baby phase of um, parenting and now my kids are in activities. I was an idiot who when I had like baby kids thought my life is going gonna, gonna to have so much free time once I'm not like feeding them bottles and, and doing all of these things. Oh my goodness was I wrong, right? Because you become a taxi cab driver taking them places, right? Every season of life changes your level of responsibilities and activities, but the reality is it always goes back to how are you managing these things. In the Psalms, uh, it says this in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There is this reality that when we actually think about the, 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 how, how much time we have, what we're doing with our life, we gain wisdom because oftentimes when we start to actually look at how much time we actually have, in particular with certain loved ones and certain relationships, we begin to realize that like, we can't miss these opportunities. We don't want to mess it up. We don't want to lose out on investing in the right things at the right times. In the book of Ephesians, it says this, be careful then how you live not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I love these words from the Apostle Paul because ultimately that big connector at the end is the most important thing and really what we're going to kind of focus in this morning, figuring out what the will of the Lord is for you. Now, that is a big kind of idea that sometimes gets talked about in church. And oftentimes when we hear the will of the Lord, I think a lot of people are waiting for like these like, you know, signs in the sky or lightning bolts to tell us like, take this job, marry this person, sell all your possessions and go into ministry. We look for like these big things. And in reality, the will of the Lord oftentimes is making thousands upon thousands of small, little, but faithful obedient, and important decisions every single day. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the will of the Lord for you, I won't, I'll just let you know, is that you would come to know him as not only your Savior but your Lord, that you would choose to follow him, that you would choose to abide in relationship with him. And when we begin to do that, it begins to help us be able to be wise with our time. I wanna show you, show you guys these two things that I would call um, kind of the pyramids of priorities. And the first one you're gonna see up here uh, is a uh, pyramid that shows what I would say kind of the way of the world, the natural way would be. Now, when we're thinking about pyramids, do not think about the top being the good thing. Think about uh, how many of you guys have ever looked at, you know, the food boxes where you got the food pyramid, right, where they have all the things that are important, the bigger things at the bottom, there, there's kind of the building blocks. And then sadly, the fun things like Halloween candy that your kids earned, that you eat, uh, is at the top. And so this is kind of the way of the world that I see it. Oftentimes, we filter our our schedules and what we want to do with how can I make sure that I'm having fun and pleasure and enjoyment in my life. At the end of the day, I'm working so I can do these. I'm doing the bare minimum so I can make sure that I can capitalize on the most fun. There's a reason why so many people, which don't get me wrong, vacations are great. Retirement things are great, right? But like we almost idealize these to be like the end all be all of like that's when I'll have arrived in life, and then we get into our responsibilities. Responsibilities can be things like work. They can be things like um, running your kids' places, investing in your grandkids. They can be um, they can be doing laundry. Which, by the way, how are we this far in advance? I understand we don't have flying cars and stuff like that, like we thought. But like, how are we still having to fold our laundry? come on. But we get into things like responsibilities, just the things that you kind of have to do, because if you don't, you're going to get in trouble. Then we get into family like, yes, this is important, but it's, if we're honest, sometimes a secondary thing. And then finally, if we're, this is, this is making the assumption that people desire to be a follower of Jesus, maybe, maybe we give God the little bit that's left over if we feel like it. This is kind of the, the pyramid of priorities for the way of the world. And yet, if we go to the next slide, we're going to see what I believe would actually be things that would lead to us having life and life more abundantly, as Jesus talks about, that our building blocks should start with time with and for God. Like, if we were to actually say, like, Jesus is my Lord, he's my all in all, he's my everything, like, we would start with this basis that no matter what, I'm trying to be with him. I almost think about it in the way of, how many of y'all ever been in love before? You remember when you were in love and you would do stupid things like you would stay up late at night talking to them. You would drive hundreds of miles just to see them for hours. You guys know anyone ever been there before? I've been there before. My bank account shows it. Uh, This is what I'm talking about. So many of us don't have sort of this desire and this push to be like, this is my very first priority, my very first thing. Time with and for God. Then family, and family can also include, you know, friends who are like family. These are like your closest relationships that actually matter, that are your people, that they know you and you know them. And then you get to the responsibilities, and then the last one is fun. Some of you are like, I don't like this already. This sounds terrible. Take me back. But honestly, if we're, if we're honest, if we went to the very first pyramid again, when we're, when we're running that lifestyle, if we're being truthfully honest, do we actually feel fulfilled in life? Do we actually feel a sense of purpose and value? Do we actually not feel like our life is just chaotic and a mess? I think these are important. And one of the reasons why is because, you know, we live in a culture that prioritizes pleasure above almost everything else. And the the thing about um, pleasure, and, 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 and when I use that word, I mean just like we enjoy, like I don't want any pain or problems in my life. I'm just trying to get to the good stuff. And so much of it is because, like, what? Scientifically, we know that oftentimes there are activities, there are things that give us, what? A dopamine hit, right? And it's like this, like, good feeling in our life. Listen, I'm I'm all for it, right? I, I love a good dopamine hit. It's wonderful. But there is this reality that oftentimes the ways to get those aren't always the right things that we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus. There, of course, are tons of ways to do those within how God designed life for us. But honestly, when we filter our life with the end all being all of having the most fun, the most pleasure, the most, all of that sort of stuff, the reality is we are no longer seeking the kingdom of God. We are seeking the kingdom of me. And at the end of the day, we all are terrible saviors and lords to ourselves because our desires, as we talked about last week, are disordered and they will lead us to chaos In a lack of peace. Jesus teaches us this. He says this in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Before all else, if we just begin by seeking what God wants for me, to be with him, everything else will fall in line. And then I love what what, um, uh, Paul kind of pushes this idea back to say like, hey, if we're followers of Jesus, what if we were to follow his ways? And he says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, and he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, I love all of this because it goes back to this idea of where are our priorities at? When we think about our life, are we filtering everything through what's in it for me? Or how do I experience the most of what I want? Or as followers of Jesus, are we willing to first seek the kingdom of God, to just seek him in general? And then also, are we willing to be like him, which means that we are going to put the, uh, the needs of others before ourselves? There's this great sort of uh, thing. I didn't come up with it. One of the first times I was introduced to it was uh, by a book uh, written called I Am Third by uh, a former football player named Gail Sayers. But it's this idea of being third. And it goes this, God first Others second. I am third. And it's this this thing that really kind of gets put together from biblical principles, from this idea that when we look at the teachings of Jesus, when we look at the wisdom through the New Testament and and from the Old Testament, we find over and over that to follow God faithfully is to make him the number one priority, which when we become uh, making sure that we're following him first and foremost, we automatically become like him, which is to be others-focused, And then finally, we are the third. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, there is the reality that we need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. There's nothing wrong with rest. There is nothing wrong with this reality that like, hey, kind of the old uh, you're on an airplane thing, right? You got to take care of yourself to be able to take care of others. But there's sometimes this idea where there's like this idolization of self-care. And self-care is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Like, don't hear me on this. Like, don't leave this and be like, need to run myself to the grindstone. But there is this reality that, like, part of following Jesus, there are moments where serving others, can I just be real with you, ain't always the the most fun thing. It's not my first priority. There are times where I would rather do what I want to do than show up in the relationships that God has called me to. There are times where I would much rather, honestly, waste my day away than be productive in loving my neighbor. But there's also this reality that my life is so small in the grand scheme of things. That I don't wanna miss certain opportunities. Now, this is important, again, why we, we start our pyramid with God first, then our family becomes second. And, and here's the thing, we need to make sure we have the right order. If you are a married person, I want to just implore you to this reality that the number one thing you could do if you're married and have kids, the biggest blessing that you could have uh, for your kids, other than obviously being a great example of a follower of Jesus, bringing them to places like church, is to honestly invest in having a great marriage. There are so many families that I see who are so kid-centric that it is not a surprise that later in life many of these marriages break apart and fail because they have invested so much in making sure that the kid is front and center that they lose out on being with one another. If you are a married person, the number one person that you are called to love aside from Jesus, first and foremost, is your spouse. Your kids come second. Now, of course... Like, I know the best way for me to love my wife is to love my kids. But there is this piece where we have to do this. Prioritizing your marriage is something that you cannot afford not to do. You must do it. On the other end, though, again, if you have kids in your life, grandkids, things like that, can I tell you something? Honestly, of course it's important that we provide for them. Of course we want to, like, work hard for them. Of course it's great for us to have hobbies and friendships and other things. But you know what your kids want more than anything else? They just want your attention. That is literally it. The way that you spell love to a kid is T-I-M-E. It's time, for those who might not spell. (laughs) I had to really make sure I spelled that right. That would have been embarrassing. But there is this reality that there is such a short window of time that you get with them, and they honestly could care less if you worked a ton of overtime to take them on that vacation if it means that you are missing out on so much else of their normal everyday life. Of course we have these responsibilities. Of course we got to do what we've got to do. But there is this thing that what if we were to actually say, like, I am prioritizing above anything else showing up in my kid's life. I, I cannot back this up. I couldn't find the source of it, but I, I, I saw something floating around the Internet that said, which, you know, as Abraham Lincoln once said, everything you read on the Internet is true. But I do think this feels, um, this feels, this feels correct, that about 75% of uh, the time that you spend with your kids in their, in in our lifetime, will be spent by the time they are 12 years old. Now, I know, like, at first I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense, and then I start thinking about, like, oh, wait a second, they're at school, and then they have extracurricular activities, and then eventually, hopefully, they leave the house. And it makes me both sad, because I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, but it also gives me this, like, kick in the pants to say, like, we can't afford to miss out on these moments. We can't afford to not show up in these lives. There's so many people who I know who are like kind of banking on like time later. And it doesn't mean that you can't invest deeply in time later, but there is so much, like there is no time to invest in the present in the life of your kids and your grandkids. It is so important that we actually show up and actually care. Now, how do, we, how do we begin to, like, deal with all these things? Because, Pastor, I got responsibilities. I got things that I want to do. I, I think there are three helpful questions to ask when you're looking at your schedule to kind of filter things through. And, and, and these are kind of these filters that I try to run through. I have to. I need to. I want to. I have to. I need to. I want to. I have to. These are the things we don't really always like, right? I probably have to pay my taxes. I probably have to uh, you know, maybe make some money, I have to mow my lawn or my neighbors will hate me, things like that. There are some things where like, we just, it's like I got to eat, I got to sleep, I got to do all these things. There are realities in life, good, bad, or indifferent. They're not necessarily negative or positive, but sometimes we just have to do them. They're called responsibilities. Welcome to adulthood. Not very fun. We have to schedule those in, right? There's, most of our have-tos are not things that we can kind of cut out. Maybe we can modify, maybe we can adjust, but we're just going to have to do. Then there are things that we need to do. You know what? I think about need to. I don't, I don't necessarily have to exercise, but I need to exercise. Like, it, it, ultimately, if I want longevity in my life, if I want um, some of the mental clarity that I get from it, like, I need to do that. I don't have to take my wife out on a date, but I do need to because I need that relationship to be invested in. I don't have to um, take my kids out on special one on one time, but I need to because ultimately it brings. Goodness to the relationship. And finally, I want to. And, and here's the realities of the I, I want to. I want to is one of those things that our culture has shifted over time to oftentimes taking things that we want and trying to convince us that we need to or we have to. I think about things such as vacations. Vacations are wonderful things. I love them, by the way. But I know way too many people who go on vacation and vacation comes back with them because of things like debt. I know tons of people who like, they, they want to buy all the latest, greatest things, but again, they don't really need to do that. I know some people who want to work certain amounts of hours, all of these sort of things. They want all of these things, but oftentimes, maybe they aren't the best thing for them and their family in this season of life. And sometimes, if we want to be good stewards of the life that God has given us, we need to get better at distinguishing what do I have to do? What do I need to do? What do I want to do? And honestly, I think the more that we show up in doing what we have to do and what we need to do, the more that our, our, our wants end up kind of intersecting with those. Because again, as we talked about last week, our natural desires oftentimes are incredibly selfish and not great. But the more that we spend time with Jesus, the more our desires become his desires. Uh, John Mark Comer is a uh, pastor from the uh, Pacific Northwest, and uh, he, he has informed a lot of um, my thinking on uh, how we invest our time how we do things like rule of life, which we're going to watch a video in just a moment. But he, but he says this, and I think this is true. Most of us have more than enough time to work with. Even in busy seasons of life, we just have to reallocate our time to seek first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of entertainment. It's true. So many of us probably have enough time. It's just we need to cut things out. And some of that might be painful, some of that would be hard. One of the tools I I talked about last week that I I wanted to share a little bit more about it uh, with you is this thing called a rule of life, but I want you to check out this video um, from John Mark Comer uh, who explains it just better than I can if I'm honest. So check out this video.
1: Yeah, rule of life is ancient language. It's not modern. So modern Western people, unless if you're Catholic where that language is used more, it's really strange and a little bit alien sounding. And so the first thing you have to point out is it's a rule of life, singular, not rules for life, plural. So it's not like you make a list of rules for your life. It's a rule, comes from this ancient Latin word, regula, which many scholars estimate was the word used for a trellis in a vineyard. It was like that under kind of wooden support structure that made space for the vine to grow. And early followers of Jesus used Jesus' metaphor from John 15 about abide in the vine and bear much fruit, which is really, it's my favorite teaching of all of Jesus' teachings. And I really think it is the center point of spiritual formation and spiritual life. Like if we can figure out how to abide or to remain or how to live in God's presence all through the day, then the natural byproduct is we will just start to bear the fruit so to speak in that agrarian analogy of love and joy and peace and all the rest. But if you think about a vine, for a vine to grow well it needs a trellis, otherwise it will bear a fraction of the fruit that it's capable of and it will be vulnerable to wild animals or to disease. And we're no different as followers of Jesus to bear the maximum amount of fruit out of our life and our body, we need some kind of a rule of life or a trellis or a support structure to make space for us to remain in Jesus and remain from a place of restful, joyful prayer and bear fruit. And so I would just define a rule of life as a schedule and a set of practices and relational rhythms that make space for abiding And really allow us to live in alignment with our deepest desires. And how you make one is pretty straightforward. I mean, you can get really ninja and complex about it, but you have to start with your vision of the life that you want to live. In particular, for us as followers of Jesus, with a life in the kingdom of God. And what what would it look like for us to grow and mature into people of love? And so you start with like your vision and your values, and then you back up. And it's basically just habit stacking. Like, what are habits from the way of Jesus or spiritual disciplines or whatever you want to call them. We call them practices that would shape a life around abiding and prayer and rest and work and kingdom and all the things that God has for you. And then it's as simple as that. You kind of write out a rule and it's a rule of life is always a moving target. It will change year over year as you change, as you move to different places in your spiritual formation, as you move to different stages of life, it will be very different for a single person to a married person, to little kids, to teenage kids, to empty nester, to death. I mean, all of these stages will be very different. So you have to constantly renegotiate it. And it's always a means to an end, like a rule. The point of a rule of life is not to have a rule of life. It's to become a person of abiding and of love and of joy and of peace.
0: I love this concept, and, and you're going to see up here on the screen in a moment, there's an example of what a um, rule of life might look like. And the, the concept would be to, and, and, and this comes from uh, John Mark Homer's thing, which this idea of to be with Jesus... Uh, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did and these are kind of the frameworks that you're going through but they they have some of the things that are um, hey I've got to do this there are things that I need to do and there are things that I want to do and it's this idea of essentially um, taking control of your time too much of our life we leave to chance and again a big piece of this series is that there are a ton of things that are outside of our control right and so we just must surrender and have faith that God will provide God will take care God will do these things there's also tons in our life that is in our control Time is one of those, and there, there's a reality that there is more, um, there's more in your schedule that, is, that you have control over than you think. If you're a parent, you do not have to say yes to every single thing your kid wants to do. Uh, if you are getting invited to do certain things, you do not have to go to every concert, every uh, trip, every single thing. You can say no. No is a complete sentence, which is wild, right? But it's okay to sometimes say no. Now, I want to leave us with uh, with just three quick thoughts that that the Lord impressed upon me this week as I was studying, and two questions to ask as we're going to wrap up this morning. The first thing is this. Um, Sometimes we have to say no to good things so we can focus on the right things. Uh, Sometimes we have to say no to good things so we can focus on the right things. There's a reality that every single one of us probably have some bad things in our life we need to say no to, but even that won't necessarily give us every bit of the time that we need the likelihood is that we are going to have to say no to things that are good to make sure that we are focusing on things that are right. For example, I am a huge sports person. My, my goal before I got a call to ministry and, you know, I let go of the NBA dream and all that sort of stuff was I, I, lo- I wanted to be a sports writer. That was like my big goal. I wanted to be like a sports broadcaster, sports writer. I used to watch sports all the time. I have watched not a ton of sports uh, the first seven years of my um, being a dad. And part of the reason why is I didn't have time. It wasn't something that my boys were interested in at that time. And so it was one of those pieces of life where, honestly, some of you have been like, man, you're losing yourself. Yeah, who cares? There is this reality that there are things that we invest a lot of time in our life in, hobbies, hobbies, um, activities, even some friendships that if we're really honest, at the end of the day are not super consequential. They don't bring a lot of value both in our life and eternally. And there are things where you know what? Sometimes you have to make tough decisions to put things aside. I heard a story once about a a dad who had three daughters who loved to play golf. And at one point, uh, his wife caught him uh, taking his golf clubs, uh, taking a, a set of golf clubs up Uh, to the attic and she thought maybe she caught him for a minute like he had bought some new ones and she's like what are you doing you love golf and he said you know what our girls don't and our girls won't be here forever and so for right now this is something that i can put away i can pick it up later but right now this is what's most important and the reality is there's probably some things in your life not that we want to get rid of all the things that are fun and bring joy to our life but where maybe for a season we need to take a step back and and readdress whether or not it's something that actually is necessary at this time Because the the second thing that's important that I think we've got to remember is that uh, your greatest priority should be presence. At the end of the day, our greatest uh, priority should be presence in the life of people who matter most. It's prioritizing having presence with our Heavenly Father. It's prioritizing having presence with the relationships that matter the most to us. Because ultimately, our time, truthfully, is a resource that we are constantly investing and the question mark is, are we investing our time in the right places? And the funny part is, some of them, if, if we're honest, are not always going to feel like we're getting a huge return on our investment. But sometimes that's where we have faith and we just trust. Like as we said during the parent-child dedication, things like raising kids, you invest in them early and eventually it will come to fruition. It may not immediately, but just have faith and watch. And here's the, the last thing before I give you a couple questions. Uh, It is never too late to change with the help of Jesus. Some of you might be sitting here feeling convicted and guilty about, man, I wish I could have a do-over in the life when my kids were younger. Some of you are thinking, oh, goodness, he said 12, my kid's 13. The amazing thing about God and one of the things we're going to talk about over and over is uh, God's math, God's impact is so wildly uh, different than what makes sense. I love this story of these parable of these workers who who go out in the field and some of them go out at the beginning of the day some of them go out at the very end of the day and at the very end of it God ends up giving them all the same thing. There is this way that God oftentimes can multiply and how his his grace can cover a multitude of sin. And it is never too late no matter what age you are to reassess and reevaluate and make changes to your life to make sure that you are making the most of your time especially in the relationships that matter most. And so the couple questions to kind of wrap up as Elise is going to come out and we're going to sing one last song is this. The first one is, are you investing the most in the most important relationships? If you were to look at your schedule, look at your time, are you actually giving the, the, the relationships that matter most the proper time and energy that they deserve? And if they don't, it's time to make some changes. It might be putting your phone away. It might mean saying, I'm I'm cutting the cable cord. It might be saying, I'm putting the golf clubs away. It might say, the girl's trip can wait. Whatever it may be, today maybe is a day to reassess that. And here's here's the final question, which we go back to this whole idea that if our our goal in life is to be a follower of Jesus who is abiding in him, who is obeying him, who's in deep relationship with him, um, do you give God your best, the rest, or nothing until you need something? Where would you say you are at in your walk with Jesus? And maybe this morning is a great time to surrender to him, to begin to say, Father, help me order my life in a way that makes you the number one top priority because when he is the number one top priority, everything else will fall in line. You might say, I don't have time to have a quiet time. I don't have enough time to serve I don't have enough time to serve. it is incredible how oftentimes when we make the decisions in particular when it has to do with being with God and serving God how much he makes up the difference in places that we wouldn't think whether it's in our time whether it's in our finances whether it's in our relationships if we just trust in him know that he always will make a way would you guys stand with me as we're going to pray and we're going to sing uh, one last song let's pray Heavenly Father, we are uh, so grateful for the time that we have with you. And Father, one of the most incredible things is uh, what we do uh, in this life uh, it, it is the thing that matters for the rest of our life. But one of the most incredible things that I, I think about, I, I, I just get excited for is this reality that uh, our life on earth is not the end of our time with you. And Father, we know that as Scripture talks about, um, Father, a, a day with you is is like a thousand days anywhere else because we are just going to be so focused and consumed and in an awe of your presence so Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and courage and discernment to make sure that we are prioritizing the right things that we are taking care of our time that Father, if we need to make changes, help us to make changes. Father, help us to have the courage to say no to even good things to make sure that we are focusing on the right things. And Father, most of all, I pray that you would help us to prioritize seeking your kingdom first. That Father, we would follow this principle of you are first, others are second, and we are third. So Father, this morning, speak to us in whatever way you want to. Give us courage to surrender to you, to trust you, and uh, Father, to know that you are good. So Jesus' name we pray. Amen.